This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm a guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle please get in touch with us on our facebook page follow us like us whatever it takes we would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as i know this industry is capable of well doc this is it eh? it's 2020 and this is the wrap for the year She's Gordon, final show. Can you believe it? It's quite extraordinary, really. I, I don't think we had any concept of what we were embarking on this time last year, and we sure as hell didn't know <laughs> what we were embarking on in 2020, per se. So, uh, yeah, it's been quite extraordinary, really, I must say. Uh, yeah. Just looking back on, on the uh, the 50 episodes, uh, uh, yeah. uh, the body of work is quite, quite substantial, and I think, you know, I'm going to try over the quiet... Uh, weeks ahead, you know, between now and the new year, just to work my way back through some of the learnings and, and maybe blog about it and, 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 you know, sort of just consolidate a bit. But it's been fascinating. I, I yeah. you know, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, it has been great. And I think, Gordon, you know, big thanks to our guests, you know. I mean, 50 episodes down, which is, I think, a, a great milestone, not just for us, but also, you know, to the guys at Infinity, our sponsors. So thanks very much to those guys for making it possible. And then, of course, just to reiterate all of our guests. And, and I, I guess, you know, for listeners out there, if you've got a bit of downtime over the festive period you know why don't you also go back and, and look and you may find one or two interesting episodes uh and we certainly hope you would find something interesting and gordon and i are going to take a little bit of a look back at the year that was 2020 uh and and touch on you know not our highlights but some of the things that that stood out for us in what is really just a crazy year Yes, indeed. And, and again, I just want to reiterate your, your thanks as well to the, the team at uh, Infinity Media um, for giving us this option and, uh, you know, basically bankrolling us for, for the year. And, we, you know, we're looking forward to more aggressive sponsorship and involvement and engagement uh, in 2021. But, yeah, looking back, you know, um, we, we chatted, uh, chatted last week to Roshni Gajar, and it's interesting some of the key words that came out of that discussion purpose and people were, were key words that came out of my own sort of review of uh, of 2020 um you know so i think purpose uh, brand purpose came came 
out as a very, very strong theme all the way around the world. I mean, it's just a word that is probably one of the most utilized words or possibly even overutilized words mm. uh, in 2020 when it comes to advertising. Yeah, I think so, Gordon. And, you know, I think we've spoken again at length about uh, sort of this, this asking the start of the why, the whole Simon Sinek, the purpose. And, and, and we've spoken about genuine purpose versus perhaps artificial purpose, even pre-COVID, you know. And so we're talking COVID and hopefully now, you know, a lot of brands will find that true purpose. Uh, the, the sad part of it is, you know, I'm, I'm just not sure though, with a lot of companies doing particularly badly top line this year and obviously flying on bottom line, that they won't redefine if they're honest with themselves, their purpose is just making money, you know, just not laying off people, just staying out of trouble, staying in the black, getting in the black, you know, as opposed to where our, perhaps our understanding of purpose is which is a more of a customer-centristic purpose, a purpose that, that, is, that is to give the world something that they actually need, as opposed to just you looking at your internal uh, metrics of, of predominantly making money. Yeah, you know, and I think, if, I think back on Pepe Marais talking purpose, which I know is beyond advertising, also something that's uh, an important mission for him. Ivan Meraki from Kantar, we had Jeremy Sampson from Brand Finance Africa, all of them looking at their own top brand performance, and they were all characterized by genuine sense of purpose beyond you know the bottom line yeah and i think you know the studies from uh, all around the world from walk from wfa are all showing that if you're just bottom lining it at the consumer's expense mm. um, you, you're ultimately going to lose out and i'm staggered by uh, you know watching the narrative in the uk retail market right now we, we you know we were all geared up for for black friday and you know the early reports are yes there was a lift but nowhere near Mm. what uh, you know we were expecting and to sit and read about a brand like Debenhams which I think is something like a 245 year old high street retail brand which is facing mm. uh, closure that just blows my mind so how do you, you know, how do you so lose purpose um, mm. that you lose 245 years of customers that's extraordinary mm. it is Gordon and I think you know I mean we also spoke a while back about you know, online versus, uh, you know, the bricks and mortar and, and we referenced Edcon and, and the woes that it went through and then some of the American models. But yeah, absolutely, you know, it's a question of maybe the purpose perhaps hasn't changed that much as opposed to their delivery mechanism, their mechanism. Their mechanism is still very much a high street bricks and mortar. Um, and, and I think, you know, it's, it's a question of, I think, all companies. You know, I look today at, at some, you know, it's, a, it's astounding. I was chatting to somebody the other day and he was referencing an office automation giant in South Africa. In other words, they advise you on the office of the future, yet you can't buy a toner cartridge or a ream of paper on their site. They don't have an e-commerce facility at 2020. And these guys are the guys who have the audacity to reference. So sometimes you get caught up with your own bullshit. You know, you, 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 th you, you think about stuff. And that's where I guard against the academic notion of, of purpose and all the lofty ideals to actually just doing what, what you know is fundamentally correct for the modern day consumer. In other words, the consumer of today and tomorrow. Now, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to work out that more people are going to be buying online in the future as they have been. The, the, the growth is there. And South Africa lags the world. We've spoken a little bit about that. But uh, certainly, you know, if you're a leading company and you're advising people and you haven't got an online facility, well, then, yeah, geez, then you can't cry when you go out of, out of business or certainly take a, a bit of a, a blood nose. Yeah, and I think, obviously, you know, some sort of hybrid, uh, you know, between the online retailing, uh, online sales, generally speaking, and, and the bricks and mortar solution, is obviously where it's going to play out in South Africa. Um, so, 
Yeah, you know, we're talking about um, loss of purpose. I think one of the stories of the year for me um, was how on earth did Skype manage to lose the high <laughs> ground to Zoom? I no. mean, which has now become no. a, a, a verb. Yeah. Uh, and now it's, it's the whole no. thing. How, how do they so lose no. purpose? I mean, Jeez, that is exactly right, Gordon. I'll tell you right now, certainly if I was the CEO of Skype, I'd have called my guys in long ago and, uh, and blasted them. Because absolutely today, you know, and it's become the, the Google of, of, of video conferencing. You know, it's like the, the old, let's just hoover it, you know. Um, it becomes a category descriptor. Let's just make a Zoom call when you actually could be on MS Teams for that matter or for that matter Skype. So absolutely. And I mean, yeah, you know, so people today, us included, we've done many of our episodes on, on Zoom out of necessity. And I guess that's one of the permanent changes. Uh, maybe not, not for us necessarily because we still enjoy the interaction and the personalities coming into the studio. But certainly from a practical point of view in business, um, video calls, I think, is, is here for keeps. And then the knock-on effect, you know, the work from home. And we've spoken, again, with some very interesting guests about some of the psychological elements around that culture team building, remote working, managing change, all of those things. So those are all fascinating episodes um, around this whole work from home, remote working of, of 2020. Yeah, look, I mean, everyone's making a case for Zoom and I, and I get it. I mean, every article I read, every you know agency is saying the same thing. We have got massive productivity. Mm. Our teams are working at a spectacular rate. Um, I don't believe that's the case. I've been working at home as a freelancer for over 21 years. Mm. And my productivity in 2020 is down because I can't access people as easily as I used to. Um, And I think, you know, productivity, you might construe it to be up if you've saved four hours a day in traffic. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, on actual job outputs, it's been a shocker. But although we've all learned a few new new tricks about Zoom, um, I'm not a big fan of Zoom myself. I was kind of like, feel I'm going to the Madame Tussauds of media, you know, so <laughs> you can't sort of poke yeah. the guy next to you. And, and, you know, I've learned a few things. So rule number one I've, for Zoom for me is don't be a nebbish, okay? This is not a good play. And you know what a nebbish is? Yeah. A nebbish is the kind of person who, upon entering the room, creates the impression he's just left. <laughs> so if you're going on a Zoom, don't be a nebbish. You've got to make a big entry. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't include coming late, Okay. Um, coming late isn't making a big statement. That's just making a dose of yourself, quite <laughs> frankly. So, um, but the art of the killer question. I mean, I think we've all learned. You go on a Zoom thing. Um, you can be feeding the dog. You can be putting the hamster on the wheel. All you have to do to make a Zoom presence is ask one killer question and uh, put your name on it, and then you're away. So, yeah. yeah. yeah apart from killer questions and. Yeah. Uh, Zoom for me, I can't wait to get back to meet yeah. real people, uh, yeah. real time and do real stuff together. Absolutely, Gordon. I think, you know, and again, you know, I share your view and I, I guess it, it works differently for different people. I mean, I've seen uh, various people working fairly well on Zoom, specifically if they've got multinational teams and, and they're used to video conferencing. Now, I you know, I know some people and again, you don't want to use a small sample set, never use a, uh, your family or whatever. But I mean, I've certainly seen people who've used, they've used Zoom for a while. So it's not a new concept. Mm. You know, Zoom wasn't a new thing for them this year. Whereas for a lot of people, myself included, it was a new concept. And I'm certainly a, a bigger fan of the of the, the face-to-face, the hybrid model, much like we've spoken about bricks and mortar and, and online. The same with working. You know, there's a place for working remotely. 
Um, but there's a place for, for I like the, the, that, that spontaneity that you get, you know, that you sometimes don't always get. It's that water cooler talk, you know. It's the, in the car park when you bump into somebody around the canteen at work, all of that stuff. And I just, I mean, before we move off Zoom, and I think, you know, certainly the phrase of the year for all of us, or most of us, is, you know, you're on mute. Yeah, <laughs> and I think yeah. we've all said it and we've all had it said to us numerous times because we're just not used to it. You know, we're used to in a, in a meeting, you, you talk or you don't talk. You, know? you don't have to push a button to say uh, you know pick me yeah look I mean I, th- I think the human aspect of it is uh, is critical and that's another uh, theme which has emerged um, throughout the years I mentioned so purpose we've talked about people mm-hmm. uh, you know is, is crucial and I think some of us have got a wee bit carried away with it so I mean uh, when you take the phrase and turn it into a verb like Mondelay has done humaning yeah. okay humaning it's about as offensive as pivot I can't do pivot <laughs> all right so here's humaning. This is, this is how Mondelay have explained humaning as a verb. And I'm going to read it because I don't think I could make this up. Humaning is a unique consumer-centric approach to marketing that creates real human connections with purpose, moving Mondelay beyond cautious data-driven tactics and uncovering what unites us all. We are no longer marketing consumers, but creating connections with humans. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, what else would you be doing if you weren't communicating? This is not like alien oh. space. Of course you're making connections with human beings. Is this a discovery? Did we only discover this in 2020? <laughs> so or am I just being a grumpy old But you know, Gordon, like you and I spoke offline about um, other stuff. You were chatting to me about European football and guys reinventing stuff that, that's not broken. That's what happens when you've got too much time on your hands and you're sitting at the corporate head office and you say to yourself, geez, I better actually produce something this year. So I think I'm going to write a new manifesto. That's what I'm going to do. But I'm going to take like a few months and I'm going to wordsmith it to death and you get that that really says we're going to sell chocolate bars to people. It's like, you know, if I mean, if dung beetles could speak, all right, this is the kind of thing they say, <laughs> I don't push little balls of elephant dung around, I reconnect gigantic pachyderms with the soul <laughs> of Mother Earth. Okay, Push the dung, get on with it. Okay, That's what we do for a living. And then don't get me started on, 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 on other kind of uh, jargon. So we talked about pivot. Adlob. Adlob. Okay? It's short for ad-like object. And this is, it's kind of this kind of context. As in, the clients seem to like the concept but we lost them with the ad lob. What the hell is an ad lob? An ad-like object. David Ogilvy would turn in his grave. See, and that's part of the problem, Gordon. And you know I've spoken again at length through the year about marketing sometimes being its own worst enemy. You know, guys get bored and then they come up with bullshit like this. You know, they come up with jargon for the sake of jargon just because it sounds cool for the year. Now, yeah, and, and it frustrates me as well. You don't want to say, just call the thing the way by its proper name and then we all know what it is and we don't have to go and try and decipher some new thing that you've come up with because you haven't really had a very productive year this year and I think that's just another example of that so I'm not a big fan of, of new things just for the sake of new things um, you know I don't mind new things that are, are purposeful and, and useful speaking of new things Gordon I mean we've had some guests on that have come up with quite innovative stuff and I mean some some quite in- counterintuitive stuff I mean stilly with Daily Maverick print. Now, how do we figure that? Now, you're a media guy. We had people on closing publications. And then Stilly comes on and says, no, he's actually going to take a print. He's going to take online into print. 
Well, for me, probably the highlight of of the year was that one because of the you know the media emphasis and the um, overcoming the challenge with with partnering uh, with Pick and Pay as a retailer mm. for for your distribution mechanism was was an outstanding innovation and. Uh, I've gone down every Saturday to check it out, and in my local pick and pack, I can tell you, if I'm not there by lunchtime, the thing's gone. gone, gone. Um, so it's definitely working. I'd love to. We'll do a follow-up on that in yeah. the new year. Mm. And I'm just hoping that there'll be other publishers out there that, that look at a similar kind of model and that kind of innovation. So, yeah, I think you can't you can't trend your way out of this thing. You've, mm. It's got to be a complete dare I say it, pivot, because even I'm now succumbing <laughs> no, to the temptation Gordon, of using you that word. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I, for me, highlight of the year from media perspective is that although there's been other interesting things as well which have come out of it, um, and we'll talk a bit about that a little later on, um, which is the new fusion study coming out of the, of the PRC. We had Josephine Base on talking yeah. to us about the plan ahead, um, and that plan has come to fruition. Um, passion for me this year. Um, I think we've all discovered the things that we have a passion for and those that we, we can do without. But if I look at some of the um, the people we've had on, so we had Dr. Nick Ebel, yeah. um, who had come out, who came out in 2010 yeah. to uh, kind of teach us a few lessons about how Germany played the World Cup um, yeah. in 2006 and yeah. and, and stayed here <coughs> ever on. Onwards, uh, Annalie Murray, who... Yeah. Uh, had a most extraordinary story and uh, you know we kind of appealed to her to do the book so yeah. you heard it first here guys <laughs> we, we're going to co-sign the book um, I mean amazing she was you know involved in 225 test matches five World Cup 17 Bok captains seven Bok coaches um, in charge of handling PR and communication yeah. but the passion with which she spoke left a huge impression on me um, as did Ernest and Corsi so a yeah. young man growing mm. up in the East Rand deciding as a child he wanted to be a movie maker and then going on to win um, nominations to Oscars New York Film Festival mm. for me was an extraordinary story and what resonated with me when we posed him the question right at the end what's your advice to young entrepreneurs and it was very uncomplicated he said just do it yeah it's the same advice that mm. we got from Pat Mclungu Pat yeah. on brands yeah just do it mm. guys you've got to get out there and I think that was a refreshing reminder to me of uh, the fact that we do have young people in South Africa who have an entrepreneurial spirit and an entrepreneurial mindset, which I, I enjoyed. You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. Very exciting. And of course, Robbie Hunter. Mm. Uh, we learned the one thing that Robbie Hunter has in common with Robert De Niro. Uh, <laughs> he can speak Italian. Um, thoroughly yeah. enjoyed that, that and the insights uh, that he gave us there were, were truly extraordinary. All of those people who have built a life, successful life career out of out of passion. It was highlights. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, Gordon. I think, you know, just, just chatting a little bit about Ernest and uh, and Pat, I mean, two young guys, young South Africans making a name. And, and you know, I think one of us uh, spoke about the audacity of doing things, you know, just going out there, unwavering self-belief. And I think another guy in that same grouping is, is Napster. We know we spoke with him about, you know, uh, really passionately doing African language work, you know, I mean, authentic work. In other words, not a script written in English and then translated. That's, uh, you know, that's not his go-to. His go-to is understanding the nuances and, and the 
and the subtleties of South Africa and really g- working across all these uh, the, uh, sort of different genres and areas. So those are some of the young guys. And I think one of the things that we try to do, uh, Gordon, is, is expose people. You know, And again, to our listeners out there, please, I urge you to go back. And if any of these names resonate or any of these ideas, go find them on the podcast. Scroll down. There are 50 episodes to choose from. Um, the, I think they're great, you know. And I mean, Gordon, just before we go off the media, you know, on your on your topic and your favorite expertise in Iran, we've had quite a few different people talking media. We had Ryan and cinema. We uh, went all the way through to um, local radio. We spoke to print. We did, uh, you know, a whole lot of stuff around. And then, of course, Chris Buerta with uh, their big accolade of of a media agency of the year this year. Yeah, and I think you pointed out that both Pepe and Chris uh, have been on the show, and uh, whilst we are not going to lay claim to all their success, uh, <laughs> we, we feel that we <laughs> fame and fortune uh, of the Dark and Guru podcast has uh, rolled up the red carpet here. But well done to both of them, because again, speaking one-on-one with those guys, you know they're not, they're not playing out some sort of ritual. Mm-hmm. They believe it, they're doing it. They're acting out the reality, and, which, and, and it's so tangible when you talk to them face to face, which I, I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, and just for people not familiar with those awards, I mean, Pepe Marais from uh, Joe Public won Large Agency of the Year this year, and, uh, and then Chris Buerta uh, from Pocket Advertising, the holding company of included in that is, is a Media Shop. They won Media Agency of the Year. So well done to both those guys and their respective teams, you know. And Gordon, you and I know quite a lot of people on those, on those particular teams as well. Yeah, and coming back as well to, to, to names, um, for me, one of the most memorable pos- podcasts was with Arthur Goldstuck. Mm. Um, it's just so impressive to speak to somebody who knows his subject incredibly well. Um, you know, it's like I've got a doctor who, uh, who is in the right place. He loves his work. He is completely on top of his game. It's very reassuring. I, I was just so reassured by the tonality of Arthur's uh, discussion. <laughs> and, yeah. and, he, and he talked about yeah. agility. And what, what I liked about him, and also Wes Helia, who on a similar kind yeah. of theme, was the solutions that they're offering are not unachievable, even for a Luddite like me. It's basic stuff. Just be agile. Be open-minded. Interrogate the detail. Um, you know, Cross the, the T's, dot the I's. And it's doable. It's not like this whole artificial intelligence thing is is excluding the human touch. It's actually inviting the human touch to add nuance mm. and, and flavor to the to otherwise very rigid uh, delivery. Absolutely. You know, Gordon, both of those guys are, do a lot of practical stuff, you know, and, and I sometimes, you know, see and work with consultants that are theorists, you know, they know the theory and they can come up with the jargon and I don't buy into that shit. You know, I, I mean, I look at it and, and I look at myself as well when I talk and consult with people is you've got to be able to do it. It's an agile thing, you know, if you can't do consult, and if you can't consult, teach. Now, also, uh, that's a bit of a disparaging saying, and I don't like using it too much, but sometimes it is true, you know, I see consultants that really can't do, but then I see guys like like Wes, you know, I see guys like Arthur Goldstock, I see guys that, are, that have the ability to think laterally, 
consult and talk with some degree of expertise, but then actually do stuff as well and bring, as you say, the human element into it. And I mean, just, you know, talking a little bit about the human element uh, and, and another thing, Gordon, we met with Sherilyn de Jacha. Remember, she spoke about creative intelligence, yep. you know, the whole thing from IQ into the whole body of EQ. For many years, we sp- every book we read, every conference we went to has increased your EQ and arts, you know, into the space of creativity and not just Sherilyn. I mean, some of the stuff, I've been reading and looking at a lot of people are talking about that as a critical skill into the future. So as much as you talk AI and data and all of that stuff, um, people are talking about the rise of creativity. And I'm not just talking about a CD, an ECD in an agency. I'm talking about creative people. Uh, and, and part of that is the new way of work, you know, thinking about things differently. So that was also a very interesting and fascinating talk, talk with, uh, with her. It was absolutely amazing. I think she talked to us at six levels of creative intelligence, um, which was intriguing. Um, But again, what I found encouraging about it was the fact that she constructed a good argument for saying it's learnable. Mm. So, and, And what is learnable about it, as opposed from, I guess, eccentric creative genius, which is what characterizes a lot of the great creative people, you know, over, over the years, is critical thinking. Mm. Um, I had an interesting discussion last week with a mathematician who's just doing a doctorate on, on critical thinking mm. in math, and, and she expressed the concern that you know, maybe it was a bit kind of irrelevant. I said, no, 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 it's commercially viable because critical thinking really underpins everything we're doing right now. Mm. Um, it's the interpretation of data. It's the critical interpretation mm. and the creative expression mm. of, of data that's going to differentiate. So, yeah, I, th- I thought that was interesting. And uh, coming back to data... I think one of the big themes this year is trust. Mm. It yep. is absolutely apparent now that you know that consumers are, are deeply co- are growing more and more concerned about uh, about data uh, and about you know the the use of personal data. Um, interesting. World Federation of Advertisers just produced their white paper on uh, the rise of morality and technology, which mm. is an interesting uh, title in and of itself. And and they've interrogated and. Through the Euro panel, what they've done is they've established that a one percent growth in brand trust mm. translates into a three percent growth in brand value. So the days from a media perspective of just piling on the media pressure and creating share of voice yeah. are over. Share of voice mm. without trust is of no value whatsoever. So mm. building trust, incre- interestingly enough, eighty-two uh, percent of the of the employees of WFA. Companies, so that's your Unilevers, your Procter and Gamble's, the biggest advertisers mm. in the world, felt, you know, if there was personal uh, data abuse in their company, they would leave the company. Mm. So, you know, I think yeah. Y- yeah, everyone is understanding that trust is crucial, and you've got to build trust um, by articulating not just wild creative statements, but substantiated critical thinking, expressed intelligently in, in a manner people trust. Yeah, and I think it's that whole wider view of business, you know, Gordon. And again, I don't think that's an absolutely new concept for this year, but perhaps just uh, emphasize this year through a crazy year, a year of, of, of a lot of introspection for many people, questioning uncertainty, fear, and anxiety, and all the rest of it that goes with it. But certainly then one of the things you come out with saying, well, what would make me feel better is if I trust a brand, I trust a person, I trust my boss, I trust my coworker, I trust a whole lot of stuff. So a lot of that stuff, uh, I, yeah, I buy into. 
into and, and certainly we've, sp- we've spoken a little bit about uh, culture as well and the culture of trust in an organization uh, coming through and it'll be interesting to see the shape of organizations into the future and not just next year but you know from there on out in terms of, of not just external trust to, to consumers but also internal trust, trust within the systems uh, and perhaps a different way, a different culture, you know, a different purpose. Yeah, trust, you know, corporate trust is is obviously a huge thing. I mean, uh, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen uh, EOH. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Here's an example there. Is it Stephen von Koller? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Having to, to uh, engage uh, with his internal remnant mm-hmm. staff, remnants, all of whom have agreed, rather mm-hmm. pay back the money yeah. um, mm-hmm. and we'll you know, pass on the dividends and, and, and build a company with a reputation against. I think that yeah. we'll, we'll watch that with great interest. I think that was brave, courageous, and uh, mm-hmm. very intriguing. But corporate trust as well, for me, encouraging note on which probably to leave the wrap, um, when we had Josephine Basin from the Publishers Research Council, she talked about the way forward. And they've now released in the last week or so their um, Nielsen Fusion 2020 study, which is a conglomeration of, of data from the, uh, the Publishers Research Council, the Broadcast Research Council, Nielsen's consumer panels, all fused together in a gigantic database. And we've all been a bit starved of data in media since 2015, the demise of AMS. Now suddenly, for the first time, we have got a massive database. I spent the weekend playing with data, mm. and I really felt like Santa had arrived early. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, uh, you know, it's unpredictable. Yeah. It's irrational sometimes. Mm. We've I've been in discussions with Nielsen. We're panel beating some of the numbers. Yeah. They've explained certain shortfalls in my reasoning. But these are conversations I haven't had about media data for five years, so I'm yeah. beside myself with excitement. But what I'm really pleased about is that the, you know these two bodies which have been perhaps at loggerheads with each other in, a, in their own sort of cold war as it mm. were for the last couple of years are now talking to each other and the benefits of conversation at a corporate level across industry sectors is planned for all to see and hopefully as we move forward into 2021 uh, the Marketing Associa- Association of SA joins in that discussion and let's get back to building a database of agile uh, data, but certainly for me, highlight of the year ending mm. uh, on this this month with the the launch of that fusion study, and another one to come. You know, um, very exciting, great yeah. stuff. Well, that's great, Gordon. Especially you know, and again, you know, we've made this point before, and, and and just one of the closing comments from my side is that you know, as budgets are tighter, people are scrutinising, people are perhaps asking more questions this year and into next year of marketers than ever before. So work with that data, you know, work and and not just the data, but translate it into intelligence, you know, into into insights that you can actually use and apply. So, you know, I'm glad for you that that at least you've had that opportunity and for the industry, not just for you, yeah. but for the sector uh, and for, for uh, you know, media houses, uh, strategists, uh, etc., to, yeah. to make yeah. hopefully better decisions into, into next year. And for, uh, as we wrap up, for those uh, as we run into Christmas, uh, a Merry Christmas to you if you're of the Christian faith. If, mm-hmm. faith, if you're not, a uh, happy festive uh, season. May you just have some peaceful time with your family. Um, for me, I hope uh, single malt Santa is, uh, <laughs> is not <laughs> going to be in lockdown. So, uh, you know, I think the last time single malt Santa came to me, he kind of fell down the chimney <laughs> rather than uh, sort of climbed down, which is the kind of gift I want. So have a good time, everyone. We'll see you in, uh, in 2021. And thanks for, for listening. Thanks for joining us. Please share uh, your insights or any questions you have. Doc, to you, 
Um, and I think we've we've really grown into this, and uh, I'm, I've learned so much, you know, from spending time with you and looking at, at, at the media world through the lens of a market. And I think that's maybe our big challenge in 2021 from a media perspective is get back from behind our desks and listen and talk to marketers so that we understand where we fit in the total funnel. There we are. There's another word I've thrown in. <laughs> a little bit of funnel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, Gordon. I mean, from my side as well, you know, to our listeners out there, it's been, it's been fun. It's been great being with you this year. Uh, we look forward to, to reconnecting next year again in January. Uh, Gordon, thanks for your time. Thanks for your insights and, and your wisdom for this year. I've certainly grown as, as a person. And just one parting comment from our side. I'm just thinking of challenger brands. We spoke with David Blythe. Just in one closing thing, I think there's one thing, uh, a little bit of advice to, to brand managers, CMOs, marketing directors, CEOs is maybe listen to that episode in terms of how do you challenge. And even if you're the market leader this year, that doesn't mean that you're going to continue on that track. And, and there's some giant companies re-looking the challenger branding and challenger marketing thinking. So from my side, in closing, again, if you are Christian, uh, a, a good uh, Christmas and, and a, a great festive season to everyone else. And we'll catch you on the other side. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get a hold of us on Facebook, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get a hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mataz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Miller, the Guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.